This is Chelsea Wingo. And I'm Amy Covell. And this is our podcast, Hashtag Life Goals. When we make things for VR, there's a trust relationship between the creator or creators and the participant. Each week, we examine one of our life goals and figure out what steps we need to take to make them a reality. Like I said, it's fun, but it's also terrifying. Yeah, and I don't think the future of it is really in gaming at all. So come join us. It's going to be fun. everybody. This is Chelsea Wingo. And I'm Amy Covell. And this is Hashtag Life Goals. Today's episode, Hashtag VR. This is one I am curious about. Yep. So we're going to be talking all about virtual reality, a little about augmented reality. Mm-hmm. And other types of reality that I am not fully aware of, but maybe our guest will, since he is very knowledgeable about this. So I'm, I'm intrigued. Before we get into it, how are you, Amy? I'm um, pretty good. Pretty good. I feel mm-hmm. a little off this morning, but you know, I'm sure that'll pass. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a pretty busy week um, all around for me. How about you? I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, things here and there, trying to get things to fall into place, um, go over some hurdles, stuff like that. Um, things are good. I finally got a TV for the common room area for the apartment that my brother and I share. Cause whenever he wanted to watch game of Thrones, he would switch the TVs that were there, the bigger TV that he had. So I finally got another TV. Yeah. Amy's giving me the eyebrow race <laughs> already. Basically now every room in the house has a TV. So everybody's happy and it's all good. The American dream. Exactly. Last night was pretty fun. Uh, yes, Amy and I went yes. to a cabaret show that our friend Leota was in so that yes, was you would have heard her on hashtag can't get a date yes definitely the one that challenged me to go on a dating app so in our busy yeah. lives it's important <laughs> to still go out and have fun but it's even better when you can be going out and supporting another artist yes it was so much fun loved it uh, loved her act especially it was very very quintessential leota Oh, yes. It was totally it her. Fit very well. And both of us ended up participating in the show as oh, well. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes, we both ended up participating in the show. So that was... <laughs> if you haven't been to a cabaret show, I highly recommend it. They're a really fun experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just about seeing people sing and dance yeah. and lingerie. It is all about the audience experience and every act brings something different to it. One of the most memorable for me was... Um, the elderly slutty marionette that was oh, doing that's a striptease. Right. Yes, that was so that was so funny. So it funny. was this really creepy looking old woman marionette that was stripping her clothes off. Yes, and she had stripper heels on. Yeah, like giant <laughs> sparkly stripper heels on. Those images are burned in my brain. <laughs> yes, they're now popping in mine, and I don't know if I want them there. What was your favorite act last night? Ooh. Um, Was it the gal who walked on glass? I I mean, I will say she made an impression because she was she did like a comedy act at the beginning portion, which was really fun. And her walking on glass was pretty cool to see that. But I think also what struck me about that is the song "Walking on Broken Glass," which I knew very very well. (laughs) Like I was singing and jamming along. It was on the nose. Yeah, though I did love Leota's performance of her. You know, trying to do a sexy song, but she fumbles when she like when she's trying to take the clothes clothes off off and like undress, and she just like flails all around. Oh yeah, my favorite part was when she brought out her violin, and the whole audience was like, "Yes, like." Is she really going to play the violin? This girl doesn't know how to play the violin. And then she just starts going into it. And like, yeah, 
they all erupted into cheers. Yeah. And she actually plays the violin. Yeah. And then nothing beats her cake song oh, where God. she is just going after that chocolate cake. Yeah. And she got the, everyone like pounding on the table to say cake, 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 cake. <laughs> we'll have some uh, video clips and some pictures for you guys on our social media coming up. Uh, we'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to figure out which ones because of the content yes, of the show. Yes, I know there's, but... there's so much there, so but you'll get a little peek at yes. what Chelsea and I got to go see last night. Yes, it was very interactive and very fun. And we got more than a peek. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how about we reel it back to the episode with VR? Yes. Uh, right. Do you have the research for us to get us going? Yes, my brain is melting a little bit from <laughs> the research that I did. I found a good portion of it on this website called Reality Technologies that said, the ultimate guide to understand virtual reality technology. So I will do my best. It's a little bit long, but hopefully I can browse over the main points and then our guests can fill in the gaps and holes regarding Sounds that. Sounds like so, a plan. All right, so... Introduction to virtual reality. Virtual reality, VR, literally makes it possible to experience anything, anywhere, anytime. It is the most immersive type of reality technology that can convince the human brain that it's somewhere else that's really not. The definition is a realistic three-dimensional image or artificial environment that is created with a mixture of interactive hardware and software presented to user in such a way that any doubts are suspended and it is accepted as a real environment in which it is interacted with a seemingly real or physical way. Um, before we get into any further, Amy, what is your experience with VR? My experience with VR is l largely related to our industry. Mm -hmm. So the reality show that I was working on, we were selling a VR element to it where we had a 360 degree camera in the center of the action mm -hmm. with the idea that then that could be expanded upon. We started expanding upon it and reaching out to VR companies because the idea was to create this roundtable discussion in virtual chat rooms around the world. People could have their own avatar, be in a 3D environment. We had several different levels of immersion that we were going to be goaling ourselves to achieve with the software. Mm -hmm. So I got really thrown into the world of VR when we started actually going after that angle because it was an angle that was originally just supposed to be a selling point when we were shopping the pilot, mm -hmm. but instead being something we started trying to develop to get investment from the VR world. So I went to VR LA. I started having meetings with VR companies, with 360 video companies, with AR companies. We started looking into companies that do a lot of the statistics and mining of data we were looking into all different angles to find what we needed to pull together to build our plan for the platform. Wow. That sounds a lot more than my experience with virtual reality. <laughs> I, I got to say, I've got a lot more experience with it. I understand it a lot more, but it is still not something that drives me. Mm -hmm. So even though I did it, it was not a direction that I am interested in going. Yeah. My experience with VR is kind of minimal to none, but the times that I've experienced with it has mainly been where I find it's more prominent in gaming. I've done a lot of like kind of like I have a headset that I would put my phone in and experience that kind of gaming. I've right. experienced a couple other things like either at the store or like an event I play like some VR games. It's 
it sort of scares me a little bit. I will be honest because the feeling of being put in another world when reality's right there outside of you, if you like automatically like bump into somebody in the real world or there's like some sort of disconnection, it just feels like so real that you get lost in it. It sort of terrifies me a little bit that it it's so, con- yes, because it's so convincing. It's so convincing. See, and you're just like, where am I right now? Am I doing this? Am I not doing this? What the F is going on? In your description that you just read of VR when they says it convinces the brain that you're somewhere else. Yeah. It doesn't do that for me at all. No, it convinces me pretty easily. It does not convince me. And I think that's one of the reasons why VR does not really interest me. Mm-hmm. So I would way rather be out in the real world doing these things physically yeah. than in a virtual environment, you know, experiencing what it would be like. Yeah. Because I, for me, the experience is not, it doesn't immerse me. Yeah. I mean, I I love to experience reality more than VR, but I can't deny how sometimes that little like point in my brain that goes into that fantasy or kind of like imagine what it would be like VR does have an access way even, to kind of do that even just, if the visuals are very realistic yeah the verisimilitude of the platform doesn't work for me but then and then also but yeah VR terrifies me a little bit and then also after some time of being in VR I start to feel kind of like shaky I get like a little sick like yeah I feel it gives like you I have some to, motion sickness yeah, yeah it can lead to motion sickness so after a while I'm just like okay I have to like I like panic and like I have to get out I have to get away <laughs> That's because you're seeing things that your body is not physically experiencing. It's the whole idea of getting car sick. Mm-hmm. If you get car sick, it's better for you to look out the window because your brain is the reason you're getting car sick is that your brain doesn't understand that you're <clears throat> moving in a direction. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because it's like looking at a book, which is sitting still. Yeah. And so if you look out the window, your brain can go, okay, I see where we're going. I can move with the movement. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm like on the fence with VR. I do like it and I think it's a great piece of technology, but it terrifies me in a way. Well, when our guest comes on, there's definitely some applications for it (laughs) that I saw through all of my research after going to VR LA Mm -hmm. that I think is really where the VR future is. Mm -hmm. All right. Continue with the research. Uh, These are what are noted to be key elements of a virtual reality experience. The virtual world, a world that is three dimensional environment is often through a medium where one can interact with others and create objects as part of the interaction. Immersion. VR immersion is the perception of being physically present in a non-physical world. It encompasses the sense of presence, which is the point to where the human brain believes it is somewhere where it really is not. The state of total immersion exists when senses are activated to create the perception of being present in a non-physical world. There's two types, mental immersion, which is deep mental state of engagement, and physical immersion, exhibited physical engagement in the virtual environment. Another for an element would be sensory feedback. VR requires as many of our senses as possible to be stimulated, vision, hearing, touch, much more, and interactivity. This is crucial for VR experience to provide users with enough comfort to naturally engage with the virtual environment. If the environment cannot respond quick enough, the brain will notice and the sense of immersion will diminish. So the types of virtual reality. There's non-immersive simulations. It's the least immersive, only a subset of the user's senses are stimulated, allowing peripheral awareness of the reality outside of the simulation of VR. Semi-immersive. User is partly but not fully immersed in the virtual environment. Then full immersion, the most immersive implementation of VR technology. Hardware like head-mounted displays and motion-detecting devices are used to stimulate all of the user's senses. 
given the ability to provide a very realistic user experience. Every time I've put on like a headset and that I've gotten into like either a game or a certain like open world exploration, this is kind of the one I've been used to the most. And it's like I said, it's fun, but it's also terrifying in a way for me. So how does VR work? They say for a human to accept artificial virtual environments as real, it has to look and feel real by stimulating many of the same senses used to navigate in the real world. VR environments are feeling increasingly more like a natural world. These are key components in a VR reality system that they have listed. PC console or smartphone, VR content is equally as important as the VR headset, a head-mounted display, the type of device that contains a display mounted in front of the user's eyes, usually covering their full view of vision and displays virtual reality content, input devices. There's one of two categories of components that provide users with sense of immersion. The most common are joysticks, tracking balls, controller wands, data gloves, much more. All right, now they talk about how the VR headsets work. Each VR head mount display has a series of sensors, eye displays, lenses, and display screens among various components. Key components inside a VR headset, hoo boy. So there's sensors and there's three different types. Magnometer tells your device which direction it is facing on the earth like a compass. Accelerometer tells your device which way is up. And gyroscopes calculates the orientation of your device. Then there's lenses. They lie between your eyes and pixels on the display screens, focused and reshape pictures by angling 2D images to mimic how each of your eyes takes in the view of the world. So with each of our eyes, kind of like if you close like one or the other, you'll see like two different distinct images and right. then putting it together. It's like what they do with the 3D glasses at the movie theater. It technically Correct. is two the different images, the, the red and the blue, and then they combined it together because in the... If you take it without three colors of light, red, mm -hmm. blue, and green. Exactly. And then in the screen for a movie theater, uh, if you take the glasses off, you'll see there's two images that are kind of like overlapping each other. And so the glasses help put it together. So this headset does the same thing with their lenses. Display screens shows images that the user views is through the lenses, typically LCD and receive video feed from the computer or smartphone. Depending on the headset, the video feed is either sent on one or two displays. Field of view. Important component. It is used in VR to provide users with a realistic perception of their environment. Landscape refers to how wide the picture is. Latency refers to amount of time it takes for an image displayed in a user's headset to catch up to their changing head position. To feel real, it needs to be in a range of 20 milliseconds or less. The lower, the better. Audio. This is obviously important to kind of help you get immersed into the environment around. And then the last one that they have is tracking. Handles the tasks of understanding a user's movement and then acting upon them accordingly to maintain full immersion. There's head tracking, referring to the way that the view in front of you will shift as you look up, down, left, right. Motion tracking, the way that you view and interact with your body. One of the most natural motion-related acts is to want you to be able to see your own hands virtually in front of you. And then there's eye tracking. This one is still maturing in progress, they say, but it's very important and involves in tracking the human eye via infrared sensor that monitors your eye movement inside the headset. The main advantage of this type of tracking is the depth of field, i.e. distance, becomes more much more realistic. Whew. <laughs> that is, holy crap, that is a lot. That is a lot. Um, they do list some, a long list of VR companies. I'm only going to mention a few that are probably maybe more well-known or people might have heard of. Oculus. Snapchat, which I thought this was really interesting that they put Snapchat in here. Vive, Unity, Wave Optics, Meta, Immersive 
Ditto, and Avigan. And then they had a section where they talked about virtual reality used in a case example, which would be aviation training, which is something that right. a lot of they pilots use, have to do. Yeah, yeah, they use virtual reality in a lot of work training mm-hmm. now. Um, and that's something I definitely want to get into with our guests. Yes. And then I think for another important article to talk about would be um, one that's from Forbes of January this year, five important augmented and reality trends for 2019. We'll talk more about augmented reality when our guest comes on. Number one, AR and VR are increasingly enhanced with AI. Computer vision and AI technology, which allows computers to understand what they are seeing through cameras, is essential to operation of AR, allowing the objects and users' field of vision to be identified and labeled. We can expect this to become increasingly sophisticated and capable. Snapchat and Instagram filters, like the bunny ears and the cat whiskers, are consumer-facing applications of AI technology combined with AR. So that's, that's interesting. Number two, VR and AR will increasingly be used in training and teaching. Yes. This was, this was an interesting one. This year, Walmart announced that it will be using 17,000 Oculus Go headsets to its employees in skills ranging from compliance to customer service. And additionally, the U.S. Army has announced to a deal with Microsoft to use its HoloLens technology in military training, meaning soldiers will get real-time readings on their environment. Yeah, Microsoft had a whole exhibit last year at VRLA that was all about their virtual classroom. And the thing is, is that people think virtual reality games... That's not where the money is. No. That's not who the client is. No. Most of the client are people who are using it for teaching and training because that saves them so much in man hours. Yeah. Gaming might have been where it has been well known and popular for the time being, but it's being expanded to a multitude of different medias. Yeah. And I don't think the future of it is really in gaming at all. No, I don't think so either. Consumer entertainment VR hits mainstream. It has been predicted for a couple of years now, some significant developments are coming up that would mean that 2019 is the year that we start to get real action. Previous generations of VR headsets were limited to two ways, either being tethered to a big expensive computer to power experience or by relying on relatively low powered mobile tech to control standalone headsets. This year, standalone headsets incorporating powerful, dedicated computer technology will hit the shelves for both Vive and Oculus, as well as being mobile. The new generation of headsets will improve technology, powerful virtual experience by including features such as eyeball tracking and increased field of view. So they're really using this technology in a more innovative way for this year specifically, and who knows where it can go to. Right. The VR business has grown hugely in the last two to three years, and it's going to more than double in the next year. Yeah, geez. All right, number four. VR and AR environments are becoming increasingly collaborative and social. Facebook's purchase of the Oculus in 2016 showed that social media believed VR would become a vital way to build shared environments. Combined with the predicted increase of sales in VR and AR headsets, this could mean that 2019 is the year we experience meeting and interacting with realistic representations of our friends and family in VR for the first time. Holy crap. <laughs> so would it be just kind of like what we do when the iPhone 10 came out with the big like emoji faces? 
And yeah, then, it's about <laughs> avatars. It's not really about seeing. Yeah, it's, it's not like avatars, FaceTime yeah. where you're really seeing the person. It's an avatar. They actually, there's a company that will map out your entire body to make you your own VR avatar. I don't I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I, I know They do avatars. it in like a food truck. Yeah, and they also do it in gaming too. That You create your own avatar for right, certain situations. Right, this actually built off of your body. It's kind of like if you go into one of those places and they make a 3D uh, a print 3D model of you. Remember mm-hmm. when they had that at the mall for Christmas and you could go in and spend hundreds of dollars to get a little 3D model of your family? Oh, yeah. Okay. This is similar, but it's going to be your own virtual avatar that is really built off of your exact body. They, Oof. You're surrounded by hundreds of cameras and sensors that are taking in all of your measurements and your movements. Um, and then they build it from that. I don't know how I feel. I don't know how I feel. I'm so confused. <laughs> You feel violated, don't you? (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) All right. And the final one, AR is increasingly finding ways into vehicles. Uh, Fully autonomous cars may be only a few years away from becoming everyday reality for us. There are two significant trends in the vehicles for 2019. Voice assistants like Alexa and Siri, and then in-car AR. NVIDIA's Drive AR platform uses a dashboard-mounted display overlaying graphics on camera footage from around the car, pointing out everything from hazards to historic landmarks along the way. Audi, Mercedes-Benz, Tesla, Toyota, and Volvo have signed up for this technology. They say in-car AR has potential to improve safety by allowing the driver to keep their eyes on the road as they would read feedback that would previously have been given on sat navigation or phone screen, as well as increased comfort and driver convenience. Amy actually, during the research, she found a video of this. I did. I didn't I even did. know this I sent this it was. right over to you. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's an overlay that they put on your windshield that then it'll pop up the AR elements on. And for me, I was just like, holy This is the worst idea ever because people already suck at driving and are already distracted drivers. Mm -hmm. They say, oh, it's going to make it safer because now they're not looking down at their phone or their sat navigation to see these things. I'm like, they're still not looking at the road in front of them. They're going to, because the thing is, is even in that example, you saw there was a concert venue and it said, this band playing Friday, tickets on sale. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's going to get used for all of those consumer items being like a McDonald's over here and you'll see running a sale on 99 cent McNuggets. It's going to get overloaded with consumer messages, which are super distracting. It's not going to be limited to messages like, you know, on ramp to one-on-one closed ahead, take alternate route. Only if the person chooses that in the settings of that AR, if they choose to. It's going to find ways to sneak in. And then also who would actually choose because as, as much as I hate to say it, people will always kind of want to know what's going on, kind of like their entertainment value. But That's the other got, thing yeah. is you got to remember is like, look at all of our apps, like the ones yeah. that have a free option versus a paid option. The free option has all of the advertising on it. Yeah. And most of us are like, I would rather just see the ads. I don't want to spend money. They'll do the same thing with the AR on the dash. <sighs> you will have to pay a subscription fee to not see the marketing items. See, this this is what I'm this is why I'm slightly terrified of VR in a sense. Of kind well, of this is the, AR, which is different. Well, AR, yeah, exactly. Well, VR, AR, MR, all the other realities that are. What's MR? 
we'll get into that. <laughs> well, I think our guests will be able to fill that in. So are you ready to bring them on? Sure. Why not? All right. So our guests, um, uh, my head is swimming with all this VR knowledge and technology. And uh, this well, is someone- hopefully he can help us get to. Shore. Oh, yeah. No, I haven't met anybody else that knows so much about VR than this guy. So it's my honor to introduce Will Cherry. Say hi. Hello, that is my name. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, Will. It's great to have you. Fun fact, a little context. Uh, remember when I talked about or when Leota gave me the um, challenge of can't get a date? I do, I do. Will is that person. <laughs> I, am, I am auditory proof. Auditory proof. <laughs> that she did actually go on a date. Yes, exactly. And we've gotten to become good friends ever since. And yeah, we're just keeping in touch. And when we were talking about VR, I was like, hey, you... You you want to come on since you know this topic so well apparently so uh, too well too it's, well <laughs> it became my life yes. I don't live in VR but it's close it's it's becoming part of it let's be honest mm-hmm. so well what do you do uh, I am an XR narrative designer so I'll get to the XR in a minute but I work on the pretty much how you tell stories in the space and how you communicate with characters and with people, which comes down pretty much to a combination of user interaction, UI, user experience, UX, and character work and story building, which is typically writing uh, for both interactive game work and traditional um, film style 360 work. So what's the XR? It's a really funny (laughs) way to put it. I consider it like a blanket term. You know, there was the Latinx for... Latino, Latina. Which oh, is cool. okay. So XR would be include anything mm-hmm. that occurs within this virtual reality. Any of the R's, space. as I call them. Any of the R's. Any, exactly. of the, any of the realitative platforms. And so some people call it extended reality, um, but that is in and of itself another word that someone has come up with. And it includes virtual reality, augmented reality, mm-hmm. mixed reality, and whatever else comes under the sun. <laughs> so what are you working on right now? I actually just wrapped up a virtual reality experience uh, with an immersive theater piece called Chained, A Victorian Nightmare. And that one actually came out uh, winter this last year, and it was actually just finishing its run in New York before Tribeca. That one is VR, and that is one where it begins with a human actress that brings you in dressed in Victorian clothing, and it is Marley. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The real Marley. And she introduces you to the space and you're in a mudroom and you've walked into a physical, there's no VR yet, physical room that's set in Charles Dickens' time. And then she introduces you and says, we're going to go into the spirit world. You may not be ready. (laughs) And the VR headset is your portal into that. And you sit in front of a mirror, in front of a wall, and they put the VR headset on you. And then you hear her both in front of you and behind you at the same time. Mm-hmm. And a hand, a ghostly hand comes through the mirror in VR of the same room. You're in the same room, just virtually done. Oh, geez. And pulls you through the wall. And you have an experience with three ghosts of your past, future, and present asking you questions. And a live actor the whole time. That sounds a lot more intense than what we went to. Because we, when we went out, we went to a, what you call an immersive theater, mm-hmm. like escape room thing. So it was kind of where we were transported back in time to find this, like, this woman that was like taking this important blade, the time blade or something. So that sounds a lot more intense than what we went through. And then the last one, that that one that I went through, I was running around. I tripped. I bruised myself. <laughs> Will panicked. He thought I was having a panic attack. This is a great like, first date material. Is taking someone to... <laughs> Delusion, the blue blade, which is kind of like a horror nights thing. Yeah. 
Not and, like, that much horror. It just was a lot of stimulation. But it's <laughs> but it's a great piece. No, it was great. It was a lot of fun. No, it was. But I ran and tripped, and he was like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" I'm like, "I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine." But like, I was shaking for like a good fifteen minutes. You're trying to come in and save the day. <laughs> not a bad strategy when it comes to to dates. Not but at all. I did not expect that at all. <laughs> Thumbs up. Yeah. Thank you. But yeah, no, that just well, that sounds a lot more intense because um, when we started hanging out, that was when I got introduced a little bit more of VR and you have a VR set at your place and mm-hmm. I, I mean I tried that and what game did you guys play there's one where you have the blades and it's kind of where you cut certain blades in certain directions to create music I Beat Saber Beat Saber there we go and uh you also have a blog where you talk about this don't you I I do <laughs> uh, and I, I say it almost ashamedly but it, it's my favorite work to do this is my favorite thing that we do yeah it's my favorite and thing I love we it, do so continue um <laughs> No, it's called the Immersive Design Reader, and it's where I pull all of my research uh, regarding presence, regarding how people react to realitative platforms, things like for virtual and augmented reality. And so a lot of your research that you presented <laughs> earlier, I'm like, yep, that's that's essentially what I go into. And part of the reason why some of us don't go into VR very well or we don't feel like we're actually there, there's actually a good portion of people, about 25%, that can't. That just go, no, I'm too grounded. I know where I am. I'm in my house. Yeah. I think that sounds like Amy. That sounds like my problem. Because you know how, what the trend is, I don't remember what it's called, but Mm -hmm. the trend with TVs lately where Mm -hmm. it's like blurring the motion supposed to make it more smooth. Mm. I hate it. It makes Mm -hmm. it look so much worse to me because it no longer looks as real as a movie just did by itself. Mm-hmm. And then other people I know in the film industry, we hate it as well because we spend all of this time trying to craft the perfect shot with the way the mise-en-scene is done, with the camera angles, with the way the lighting is done. And when they do that, then on every television screen, mm. screen it ruins all of that work put into it to craft these beautiful shots. And it's literally the biggest thing preventing me from buying a new television because when I go to Costco, every single TV I can tell has it on. And wow. I hate it. It's the idea that it's trying to make it look kind of more 3D, but but in <laughs> doing that, it looks more false. Interesting. I might have to bring you around next time to make sure maybe I don't get that because... <laughs> <laughs> well, you like VR, so that may not bother you. Uh, well, I mean, I, I like it to an extent. Like, I'm sorry, Will. Like, I know I was saying that, like, I'm on the fence about it because... I can easily get immersed in it, but at the same time, I'm a little scared of how much it's being incorporated in our everyday lives. Like not only like one of the other things that Amy had sent me was not only the AR car windshield, she sent me a video of a kitchen countertop. Oh, the AR table. A- the AR IKEA. table. I want this. This is basically a table where you could put ingredients in, it will recognize it, and then you can put them together and they can tell you what things to make and how to make it, and then it can also turn it on as a stove on the wood. Oh, so sign me up. <laughs> yeah. I didn't notice that you could turn it on as a stove, but I yeah. was seeing how it's like you place an apple down. It'll be like apple and it'll tell you the nutrition factors of the apple and you know you put down sugar or if you tell it what recipe you're making it'll tell you you need one cup of sugar and you're like oh okay one cup of sugar it's Mm -hmm. an ar table that is supposed to be coming out at ikea this is one of the first times i've not heard of something that cool oh i'll send you i'll send (laughs) you the video please but yeah as much as i was horrified at the ar you know Mm -hmm. car windshield Mm -hmm. the ar 
kitchen table, I'm like, that I can get down with. Like That is one way that AR would be improving our daily lives, that those things that we see in science fiction, that is a science fiction element that I want to see become a reality. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is I feel like AR has a lot more usable applications in our uh, world. Yeah. So how about before we get into it? Will, would you explain a little bit more about what augmented reality is and maybe the other realities? Sure. Um, <laughs> so virtual reality, the best way I can kind of frame it that makes it easy is that it's about the senses, the human senses. Mm-hmm. And virtual reality is essentially crafting a new reality. And, and I could say that because I could break down virtual and reality as words. But it's when we take away something from you. We take away your vision or your hearing or your even your some touch sensation and we replace them. So virtual reality is a replacement mechanic. <laughs> Augmented reality is a supplementary mechanic. It's where we add things to what you can already hear, see, touch, or feel. Mm-hmm. Never, Nothing is meant to be taken away, only added to. AR, in the broadest sense, is when you can kind of look through something or wear something, be somewhere, and something's been added digitally to it. And so that's why we find that Snapchat lenses, when we're holding up to our face, make it to see like dog ears right it's cute yeah, it's cute mm-hmm. it's just augmenting what we are already seeing which is ourselves right okay and that's the idea of augment and that came out from boeing in like 1990 that was one of their engineers who coined it so i'm happy that that's a relatively new term but that is going to be much more popular for sure i just see the real world applications of augmented reality mm-hmm. as being uh more useful yeah you see it where it's being used a lot right now yeah not just like the snapchat filters and the instagram filters but they're using it of course in the consumer world in marketing so yeah. um i worked with a company briefly when we were talking to them about the reality show uh based out of egypt And they do stuff for Cheetos, Pepsi, all of these big brands, you know, the things where you would hold your phone over something and it would show like a Cheetos bag all of a sudden, you know, Mm -hmm. that's where the money is in it right now. And the great thing about marketing is that they waste tons and tons of money, (laughs) but that is how these companies get the money to really develop the practical applications that we're going to start seeing coming out, like the kitchen table, mm-hmm. or unfortunately, like the car windshield. <laughs> yes. And then would you say mixed reality is a combination of virtual and augmented, or is it something entirely on its own? That's a weird one, because okay. mixed reality had its term, and then Windows adopted it. Like Microsoft said, that's what we're going to use now. It's a mixed reality headset. And we all, as creators at the time, when Windows announced this, thought, oh, you're making a mixed reality headset, which means we can look through those cameras on the front. So what the idea of mixed reality is at its core, in my mind, was I'm going to put a virtual reality headset on you, but the cameras will allow you to see a video of the world that I can change further than I could with glasses. So, So imagine if you're looking at a video camera live from your own eyes, but things can get added to that a lot easier. Right, it's right. Like, it's like holding a Snapchat phone up exactly yeah. up to your face. That sounds a lot like a short film that you sent me a link to a long time ago. I forget what it's called. It's Kechi Matsuda's Hyper Reality, and he's actually one of the creative directors over at Leap Motion right now. So they're yeah. making okay. a whole thing. Yeah, but it was, yeah, definitely check it out. But yeah. yeah, that was one thing that we were looking into. So when we put, if we put our 
audience members in this 3D video space, the idea of having facts come up in the augmented reality over that space when people are talking. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of thing you're talking about with the mixed reality. Yeah. I mean, it's as if I could wear the headset right now and look at all of you here and in, in, be in the space. Mm-hmm. I would look silly myself if you looked at me, but I would see you all and there could be, just like Snapchat lenses or other AR or Pokemon Go, they'd be on the table or around and things be in the mm-hmm. space with me. Honestly, I think MR in that sense is probably going to fade away because we don't really need that as much when we can start having glasses and other things that that just add to the space and I don't have to look really goofy. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. I have a question about some of the, the tools and the glasses, sure. especially yeah. the Google goggles, the <laughs> cardboard goggles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh. So they're, if they're just cardboard, why can't I just take a box at home and put my phone in front of it? <laughs> Almost. So here's a really fun fact. The Google cardboard and pretty much all of the early VR headsets actually had a set of lenses in them. And we discussed lenses. I think you guys mentioned lenses yes. before. Mm-hmm. When you are showing something in VR, you actually have to reproject it. Right. So yeah. the, the screens on the phones themselves, um, to capture a much wider field of view than a screen themselves, actually need lenses to warp that imagery. To, to, to curve it. Yep. Mm-hmm. All you need is a lenses, and then you can make it out of cardboard at home, okay. which is just plastic. Yeah. One of the reasons that VR took off, quote unquote, took off in the last uh, decade was because, and I love this trick, is that the lenses they originally were working on to fabricate to make these large VR installations in like universities for study cost a lot of money they were making them out of glass and custom fabricated and it would cost thousands of dollars right and then one of the guys once was i forgot what it was the the major story i know that um some of the guys at usc mentioned it he had a baby thermometer that he was like just had one day and he was trying to read his his child's temperature and he looks at it and he goes that's really odd the bubble on this kind of looks like one of the lenses that we make for our headset that costs thousands of dollars and it's plastic. And he pulls it out and it's a perfect version. Wow. So all of a sudden he went, okay, we can make, we can buy hundreds, thousands of these, tens of thousands for like nothing. And because of that, and that suddenly became very apparent and then people started buying these plastic lenses and then they became Google Cardboard, which started the entire it's like crazy that it took them that long to figure it out, mm-hmm. considering in the 70s when we started seeing 3D. All of those 3D glasses, yeah, they're plastic. Mm-hmm. They are plastic. They're plastic yeah. that's just been colored red and blue. It is cool though that the 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 type of 3D that we get uh, came well before the red blue system. Uh, was I mean back to the 1700s? Like people yeah. were making these for so long mm-hmm. that finally someone went, "We can do that with color. We can do that with with yeah. color all around." And mm-hmm. it worked out wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Um, although the it's weird to find that there are trends in all these new technologies and they come in waves. So when yeah. when 3D first came out, a lot of times you would go to a 3D show and it had its resurgence back in the mid-90s. And they're just like, look, it comes out at you. And every 3D shot and every 3D movie is coming out at you. Right. And then 3D TVs with the battery-powered glasses, things would actually go inwards. And that was way more compelling. And mm. now we've got things like the 3DS, which is closer to that. But I think yeah. the thing that, you know, everyone talked about how oh, the 3D TVs are going to be a fad. They're mm-hmm. not going to stick around. I'm like, well, that makes sense to me because mm-hmm. the problem is, is that there's a large percentage of men who are colorblind. And so mm-hmm. then 3D doesn't work for them. And then there are plenty of people, men particularly, I don't know why it affects the way their eye and brain combination works who like every one of my boyfriends could not handle 3d because it gave them a migraine and so i'm like if it's technology and men are usually the ones who are pioneering 
the new technology, like, oh, honey, I've got to have it. I've got to have this new 3D TV. (laughs) And they can't enjoy it because they either can't see it due to colorblindness, which affects more men than it does women. It's really (laughs) rare for it to affect a woman um, because only men carry the gene. Or they watch it and it gives them a headache. I'm like, it's not going to stick around because typically males are the one who are spending money on technology purchases. Yeah. This makes me so happy because uh, I find that a lot of leaders in the VR space are women and they're so awesome. <laughs> and it's like, this is that weird time where we're coming up with a new medium of realitative work. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like the majority of great creators are, are in my mind, are women in the space. And they're, they're I know. I met some charge. really incredible mm-hmm. women in the VR community when I went to VR LA. Yeah. And they, they have a very different demeanor about them and, and about the technology, which is really exciting. Because when you talk to the, the males who are leaders in the business, uh, they're not that dissimilar from any other male mm-hmm. tech leader. Mm-hmm. The same kind of thought process, the same kind of how I want to get there. Think the Silicon Valley TV show. Mm-hmm. You watch those guys make the same mistakes over and over again. And as a female, I'm like, oh, this guy's so dumb. <laughs> because that's just how their brain chemistry works and how they propel forward. And the females think about it from a very different viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I've worked for companies with male leaders in and I would say the VR space, but it's more like the VR blockchain. It was one of those right. more bigger leader like the the wave of tech as it goes. My coworkers and I, we would get together and we just go, do they know? We've, we've told them we, to watch Silicon Valley because everything they say mm-hmm. is truly Silicon Valley. And they go, no, they don't watch it. Yeah. It's like they avoid it for some reason if it was yep. too real for them. Yep. <laughs> and it scares me. Um, actually, great starter point to the next question. Scary you. Sure. Um, I have talked, I mean, I probably have expressed a little bit more of how VR scares me because of how immersive it can get. But even though it's sort of something that I don't want to necessarily go away. But when you started, were you scared at all for kind of losing that control? Or were you just fine? And B, what do you think are things people can take away that maybe won't make them as scared of VR? anymore for people like me in sure. a sense because i love because i like it it's just that sense of control it's right because you're yeah because your senses are being tricked by a yeah. different reality than what you're actually in mm-hmm. i i think it, it comes down to two factors um the first one is is content okay and so when we make things for vr there's a trust relationship between the creator or creators and the participant as i call them because they're not users we don't treat them like users, and they're not uh, an audience at times. They are participants. They, By putting on a VR headset mm-hmm. or an AR headset in the future, you have signed an agreement with a creator, a social agreement, that there's an exchange there of, of honesty. Mm-hmm. And if I uh, dishonestly put something in front of you that you are not happy with, the arrangement should be that you take off your headset and the experience is over. You're done. Mm-hmm. Some people have a hard time getting out of that. Mm-hmm. And it's weird is that in the early days of VR, before installations began or in festivals, there's a lot of times when docents had to tell you, you can take this off at any time. But some people couldn't. Like they just, it doesn't register to them. And that's actually, so 25% of people can't like get presence as we call it. And there's another like 25% that fall really hard. <laughs> and to me, that's the same spectrum of people who can be hypnotized. Surprisingly, it's very similar. Oh. Yeah, see, um, I, I don't like getting hypnotized either. I've never been hypnotized. I've never been so, wanted to. The so the idea is, is that she would be very susceptible to hypnotism where if, I would be not. Yeah, if she wanted. 
If right, she right, wanted right. To, if she wanted to buy in, yeah. if she wanted to buy in, she could, and then she would be yeah. there and be unable to get out. Okay. Yeah. Whereas me, I would probably never be able to buy in because I'm too grounded. Um, and it's not correlation causation, and so I truly don't know. But it seems very similar. <laughs> well, but it's a good it's a good example though of I'm how right. our different brains work. Mm-hmm. You're a good example of the kind of person like you're a good reason to prove that VR will not take over. Essentially, okay. is that there are people who go, I don't want it, and they can actively choose not to. You know, I would ask you once if if you ever decided to sit down, watch a hypnotist show, and 100 percent try to be hypnotized. Now, don't make that a challenge, but <laughs> but that's something that I actually tried to do because I have difficulty. I'm in one of the, the higher tiers, which is weird for me as a creator. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like you as a filmmaker, you want to make a film that makes the best. It's the best film to you, right? Because mm-hmm. it's so hard to please you in a weird way, and so that's. That's just kind of like my little thing is that I'm always trying to be immersed and so many small things can take me out. So what was your experience with the hypnotist? Um, (laughs) I'll be honest. The first time I went to a hypnotist, I closed my eyes and I tried really, really hard to like think to to really fall for it. And someone, one of my quote unquote friends at the time pushed me on the shoulder midway through as I'm trying to get to what I guess assume is a trance state. And he goes like, are you trying too hard? What's going on? And his push like, made me suddenly very self-conscious and very aware and I couldn't I had to step back and be very out of the out of the picture and so I still kind of hate that to that day of, like <laughs> that's the outside if someone touches you while you're in VR yeah it's very very jarring it is mm-hmm. it's really really jarring but yeah so like when it comes to fear I usually tell people don't worry that VR will not take over there's no way because it is there's a social contract mm-hmm. no matter how good you make your content no matter how good you make your headsets no matter what you tell people like if you put this headset on you're going to see everything and everyone will love you you still can say no and that will okay. that just won't happen okay. okay i i believe that it'll become yeah. ubiquitous with quotations but it's not it's still a social contract choice Mm-hmm. So one of the meetings that I had when we were meeting with VR companies was we met with Jaunt VR. Oh yeah, those guys. Yeah. <laughs> poor, poor souls. By by now this podcast, yeah, they're 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 gone. Are they? <laughs> yes, they've ended. Uh, oh. Well, they, okay. I apologize for them if they're listening. Too rude. <laughs> but um, they haven't ended. They closed a lot of their VR department. Oh. Okay. They're, they're trying to work on um, volumetric capture at this point. The same thing you're mentioning in the truck, we're creating an avatar, except live in motion. Got it. Mm. Yeah. So when I met with them and I was at their offices, I noticed that they had produced the first VR movie. It was a horror movie. Oh. And I was like, that I could get down with. Because if there's anything where I want to be immersed, it's going to be something that puts me in that fear state. You want to be immersed in (laughs) Oh, yeah. I will tell you. The first Tomb Raider video game for PC, I, now this is on my PC, I could not get past the wolves that were on the entrance to the cave because I kept knowing they were coming. And then when one would pop out, I would, ah, and I would die. Um, in one of the very first Resident Evils for oh, PlayStation, no. like I would jump so bad. And even though it was frustrating because I couldn't get any further in the game because I would get so scared, mm-hmm. there was something awesome about that. Yeah. And so if I was going to watch VR content, I was like, a horror movie, that's perfect. Yeah, no, Resident Evil, Biohazard, they did a VR game. It uh-huh. is actually in the PlayStation headset. Resident- so you- yeah, is it Biohazard or 7? Bio, bio, yeah, bio, bio, Resident Evil 7, which is Biohazard. Oh, okay. I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, yeah it's two, the same, the same game, that title. two names. Oh, man. And when that girl stabs you in VR, it's actually very uncomfortable. Yes. Because she stabs your chest. 
yes. your male chest. And you're like, what? It gets really odd. So Chelsea, did you know that there are VR podcasts? Wait, what? <laughs> I met the people that created the first VR podcast when I was at VR LA. It's done by High Fidelity. Oh, oh the one in VR. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. I was we, thinking you were mentioning Kent By, who's no, no, okay. no, no, not podcasts about VR, a podcast in VR. Mm-hmm. So wait, what? So you, so you like? Ex- I'm trying to wrap my head around this. To experience it, you have to put on a headset. Correct, so that- correct. Mm-hmm. Digital <laughs> interviews. What? <laughs> with guests. <laughs> and you just put it on, and you're like sitting at the guest, like that, right across from you, along with the two hosts. Yeah, and you can do, I mean, I've seen some really good interviews done. Uh, You've seen some of these? Yeah, you can go as an audience member. You, you're, there are rules to virtual worlds when they're made by people that can allow for these things to happen. Imagine if we had this podcast, you had 100 people watching, but you didn't have to worry about any of them saying anything. You could mute the entire audience. In fact, you could even show, you can even have it so they don't even exist to you. They're not even there, but they are, they're seeing it, but you don't have to worry about it at all. Sure, yeah, the social concept of you knowing you're being watched is different, but you can totally shut that out. And that's just, you can change the, the rules to so your space. So the way that their VR podcast works is called Glitched. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the, the hosts familiar. and their guests are in VR, and you're just getting to see it in VR. Okay. So you're, you the audience is, I think, just um, kind of a blanket fake studio audience mm-hmm. so, wait, so you, it's so not your own avatar in it you're watching the avatars of the podcast host and their guest so so this is when it's in a headset that you can watch from home you don't have to go to some place to get a headset okay correct because I, I don't know for some reason my mind was going to you have to go to some place to like a stage and put on the vr the vr no no, no it's not a live it's, show okay good it's <laughs> it's you know the same way that we consume our podcast now only through a vr headset people love the idea that with vr you don't have to leave home but we're already kind of solidifying that with like Postmates and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Watching. Ready Player One was one of those movies that I feel like it needed to come out 20 years ago because it the reality of it is not that far removed. So it doesn't mm-hmm. make it very much a science fiction movie. It makes it much more science reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird when um, HTC Vive sponsored some of the movie. And so some of the headsets that are actually in the film that people wear are Vibes. current ones. Yeah. And that really <laughs> threw me way off. Oh, wow. Because um, that's just like, no, that's that, don't do that. That's yeah, crime for me. It's just like because science fiction is always supposed to be projecting into the future and always making a commentary on our social or political landscape mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. it is currently. That one was just not far removed enough for me. And and I think the thing the movie doesn't take into consideration is the contract. And I, I I'm calling it the contract, but it's the like a two way street. Yeah, yeah the social, social contract, contract. Yeah, that nobody. There was a whole economy system that was built around that that movie about. The in-game currency is stronger and more reliable than real-life currency of any kind. And I was like, well, there is your problem. (laughs) If that is actually the case, then yes, that would become truth. But fortunately, in-game currency with gold sinks and all these other game design mechanic problems, that fortunately does not exist. So we talked about how I think AR is really going to be the particular technology that will find great real world applications Mm -hmm. let's talk about some of the real world applications they're doing for virtual reality Mm -hmm. so training videos yeah you know using virtual reality to do training Mm -hmm. so training pilots makes total sense yes because you know it's just kind of like we train our astronauts we put them in the gyroscope before we send them off to space because it's expensive to send people off to space yeah we can't just train them by sending them up in a rocket they can't pass out in that rocket correct so i think it's great for 
for a lot of starting training. Mm-hmm. What concerned me was when I was doing the research and the hashtag hunt is I was finding a lot of, I mean, for medical training, I get it. Maybe in medical school, you're teaching them how to do a surgery. Not surgery, surgery simulator, not that game. <laughs> right. So they were doing surgery simulations. Okay, Mike, first level mm-hmm. training, I get it. Yes. But then they were talking about real world doctors using VR to see inside someone's blood cells while they're in surgery. I'm like, okay, first of all, that's not actually possible because the virtual reality they're building, you cannot map that person's blood cell. So if the person is in there trying to find what's wrong with the patient, mm. you cannot pre-map that to make it virtual. That doesn't make sense. Because each body is unique and different. and then Exactly. And the whole so reason that you're in their body is because you got to figure out what the hell's wrong with them. Yeah. You mm-hmm. don't know until you're there. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's taking it a little too far. I think for them, it's also it's also like when you're trying to study the human anatomy in a textbook, like a bio book, they'll get really into it. And my brother is pre-med, um, which is hilarious conversations for, between him and me because I'm like <laughs> tech stories. And he's like, no, the brain. And so <laughs> we actually go over like ADP to ATP synthesis and like how the human body and human muscles work and why rigor mortis occurs, like these things. And they need to understand on the cellular level while they're working. That does not mean that needs to come up in the surgery side. So I can see that. But for some reason, it's kind of like if I wanted to take apart a car, I kind of want to see how each piece functions while it's running. And right. I can't technically mm. do that. Right. Yeah. But that would be so helpful for me to understand yeah. why I need. Uh, a, I just feel like the expanding of the application is too far. Perhaps. And the thing is, yeah. is it wasn't just one article I saw on that. I saw multiples. I'm wow. like, use it as a training tool. Mm-hmm. Do mm-hmm. not use it in actual application. Yeah. Actual yeah. By, by yeah. no means would they, should they use VR to do remote surgery. And that that's is, where there yeah. is a lot of discussion going yeah. on is that that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. So I, I guess since we're on this topic, are there things in VR, AR, MR, whatever realities that that the industry is trying to take on that you think maybe you should be, oh, maybe not try this route, maybe not go there, maybe wait a bit before yeah. we try? It's odd. Actually, there, there's two things. One, in the early days... A lot of the guys who would try and start innovating or talk about innovating in VR would go, oh, you like playing Call of Duty? We should make a really real war title. To which I go, you know why PTSD is a problem, right? Yeah. Like, do you not, not understand that there's a lot of issues with mm-hmm. that? And actually, the first piece at Tribeca I did this year was uh, called The War Remains, which puts you in World War One bunker um, with podcaster Dan Carlin of Hardcore History. The idea is it's meant to teach you something. It does not give you a weapon. It does not put you in that spot. But it does throw you some moments into that that fray. Mm-hmm. I was seeing some of the applications that the military is using for mm-hmm. doing virtual reality training mm-hmm. and trying to teach them the landscape. My thing is, is like you can put them in that virtual environment trying to teach them of the landscape of this country they're going to be going to and mm-hmm. fighting in. Mm-hmm. But that is not the same as being in the desert, as having to dodge, you know, to having to understand the actual stimuli of that place. And Mm -hmm. so for me, I'm like, I don't think that's really that helpful for training. Yeah. It's only a portion. And I think it will give people a false confidence. And then when they do land boots on the ground, 
and run into things like, oh, I didn't realize it was going to be this hot. Oh, I didn't realize that I really need to cover my face because I'm breathing in all of this dust. Mm -hmm. They're not ready and they think that they are ready, which could be helpful for adrenaline, Mm -hmm. but I think could cause some other issues because they're not getting focused training on what to expect from the environment itself. So Mm -hmm. to, I don't want to counteract that because I think you're very right, but a, a huge thing that's like part of my thesis is that, that humans are spatial creatures. Mm-hmm. How we associate memory is in space, like our, where our physical locations are, and memories are associated with the spaces that we've mapped internally, mm-hmm. which is why people who memorize a thousand digits of pi actually are reading off of memory palaces, imaginary spaces that they've built inside their own heads right. that allow them to read it across a wall. When it comes to soldiers and then putting them into environments that match real environments, they actually... There's, to me, not a very good use case if the environment isn't one-to-one to where their combat zone is. And the thing is, is, is how can it be? It, yeah, it's incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. Things are changing all the time. Yeah. I mean, generally large structures, I think the idea is that they should be as best comfortable in a space as possible. Also, I'm not advocating military use for VR. I just know <laughs> why. I know where they're coming from, which is if you know, if, I, if, if this building that I'm around in right now, if I was given the opportunity to tour it virtually and know that it was like... 10% to 20% of what it actually looks like, like really basic stuff. And I was able to walk through the entire building and map it. I would feel a lot more comfortable walking out of here later mm-hmm. uh, instead of having to be guided, even if I didn't know all the details. And the problem is that these soldiers are going over and they don't know anything about the space, which right. means that their opponents are already at a much larger advantage. Home, home field advantage always wins in war. In yeah. my mind, it's, that's how it goes. Although I study so little war, so what do I have to say? <laughs> so that's I see where they're coming from. I agree with you though that it makes them almost sometimes too bold, yeah. and that does cause mistakes, yeah, right, and and painful ones. So I give you that that that's that same a idea there. of you know doing drone strikes or any sort of virtual warfare. It takes a real aspect out of it, which help which separates the person from it emotionally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which can be better for their emotional state, but not for the decision making process. Mm-hmm. Yep. The the thing that goes too far is is just trying to give us too much too quickly. Um, everyone's afraid of a world like Ketchum Matsuda's hyper reality where ads are everywhere, things always come in, and a lot of us like to believe that that won't happen, but it is. It is already happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. smart, Samsung smart TVs right now are advertising before you get to watch Netflix because it's built into the, the code of the TV. Right. And so seeing that on the AR side makes people very, very nervous, and we have to be very safe about how we build those environments up. Yeah. And the problem is, is we live in a consumerist nation. And so mm-hmm. yep. that's, that's always going to be the driving paying force to forward technologies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's also with, um, try to cut back to kind of some other things, um, the frame rates for, for different aspects of medium for like TV and movies, it's like 24 to 30 and then gaming and 60. And then what's for VR. Yeah. I think you were talking offline. Was it 90 minimum yeah. of 90 for real time work? It should be 90. Um, you can get by with 60, uh, rarely 30 for video work, but that's because we're already used to the video concept. Mm-hmm. Um, however, usually the higher the frame rate, the better because the persistence of motion works in film and in VR realism is, doesn't have persistence. Our brain does all the work for us. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. it's always good to have something very, very high. Yeah. So imagine having to switch between like the TV to that and to this and then VR and everything, yeah. like having to constantly switch all the mediums. I, w- I would say your brain would get a little mushed because it's 
constantly switching its perception and what it's Mm -hmm. viewing and what it's taking in and can leave you a little... Whereas I don't adjust well to VR, though. I do do fine in 360 video, which Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times people, you know, mistakenly refer to as VR. Yes. And Mm -hmm. it's not. It's 360 video. Yeah. This makes me Um, happy you said that. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Um, And I was definitely saying it to myself a whole lot when I was doing hashtag hunt because I kept coming across as I was searching hashtag VR on my Twitter First of all, I did not know that you could view porn on Twitter. Oh, God. Not what? this. Not this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so, so glad I'm not on Twitter Straight right now. in God, my feed. No. Like, I know Tumblr had a whole bunch of pages shut down because they were considered to be pornographic or too sexual. And a lot of people complained and said that this is not, but fine. In Twitter, I was getting straight up porn. Oh, God. Like, P and Vigee. <laughs> on my feed. Can we just like P and the G on my on my feed is like a sorry. It's a really good P and the G on my feed. feed. Oh god! And it, it was saying, so well. And it had hashtag VR in it because they're like, oh, experience her in virtual reality. I'm like, mm, but I guarantee you, this is not. This is just 360 video. Yeah. And this is just the idea of putting you in the place of whatever cock that she is on you so you imagine that it's yours which they have been doing for 20 years i had a (laughs) jenna jameson porn that was that kind of virtual thing where it makes it look like where it's all done pov Mm -hmm. and so it makes it look like she's riding you and it was this great thing where you could tell her to be naughty or nice and you, like you would select with you know your DVD oh, like remote oh, that's funny. if you wanted her to be naughtier or nicer, and it would change the way she spoke to you. One of the things I can't, I can believe, I totally can believe it, and I'm not, I'm a little upset, but I understand is that the adult industry paves the way for every new technology. Oh hell yeah! Like when I say we were Again, working on volumetric stuff, nation, it all started and there. That makes money. Yeah, it always does. Every volumetric capture you can imagine from that truck started with porn. Uh, the best 360 work and the best stereo work actually came from a VR cam girl who now runs a company building cameras that get the best stereo for your eyes because she had to get it very up close. It's one of those things where it, the industry just kind of changes that way because they get the funding for it. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I really wasn't expecting that on Twitter. Twitter, you should be ashamed. <laughs> it's a big business for VR. Yeah, it's unspoken, I it. and I think a lot of creators that I talk to are all in agreement that we need to talk to those people. We don't need to associate too much, but there are things that we can learn from learn. them. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, I mean, if you think about it, think of any sci-fi movie that we saw in the '90s. There was always that one computer genius that they went to to go talk to about something, and he was always with a VR headset, fucking a lady, <laughs> or trying to build his own sex robot. And, and oh I admit that God. kind of has caused the VR stigma to be negative. I think that's actually a very driving force of it because there's so many great things. And again, so many women creators creating great pieces about in VR about refugees and about um, uh, about family and about like survival and like really, really visceral, amazing work. And yet when I talk to VR with normal people, sometimes they kind of go, yeah, but did you watch the porn recently? And I was like, no. <laughs> it get, it gets, they get no. put together and it's kind of... It, it hurts. Uh, it definitely it hurts. hurts us okay, because yeah. my parents even question it. And they're like, so Will, thanks for the headset, but 
are we supposed to? I'm like, no, absolutely not. It's not. It's not for this. It's for this aspect. Gosh, jeez. It's very painful at times, and yeah. we're, we're coming out of it. But it's going to take. A, it's going to take a bit. And the gaming is meant to help us come out of it. Yeah, which is weird to say. Yeah, because the gaming Enterprise. is kind of what, when it became more noticeable, right? Mm-hmm. The gaming is one of the noticeable. Again, it's another the- consumer platform, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's a consumer platform that appeals to the future buyers of technology. It mm-hmm. appeals to um, preteen, teen, and early twenties, particularly males, but females as well are growing in the gaming community, and those are going to be the future consumers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's how you build trends is you get to those consumer groups. It's the same idea as like, you know, sugary cereal commercials that were geared to kids because yeah. they are the future consumers. Now, that cereal commercial is really about just getting them to beg mom and dad to buy them Cocoa Fruity Puffs. But Cocoa Fruity Puffs. There was an old campaign that made but it that sound also like juice was better than building water. Those, juice was, oh gosh. That is building those that. consumers to want refined sugars and everything yeah. as they grow older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I Apple. They use the same strategy. That is how they became the huge company they are today. Back in the 80s, they gave schools computers. PlayStation did the same thing. It was thing. the mm-hmm. smartest thing they ever did. I am not an Apple person, but that was so business smart mm-hmm. because then again, the future consumers of America learned on Apple in school learned on the Mac the Mac color mm-hmm. in school. Mm-hmm. And so then when they got to an age where they could buy their own technology, what were they primed to buy? Yeah, no. The um, first iPod. I'm trying to remember who was it who was it I heard from this first the whole was it was it you talking about the whole Pizza Hut and the oh, PlayStation yeah. Pizza Hut demo disc. Pizza Hut demo disc and that kind of like yeah, because it was targeted to younger the kids. The 90s but, CDs yeah. were a lot oh, easier yeah. to make. So every time you bought a, bought a pizza you could get a demo disc of content of so demo many levels of those. for PlayStation. Yeah. And PlayStation had uh, educational games that you could actually, it was a leasing system through the local school. My local farm town school gave my brother a PlayStation 1 to play these like moose, I don't know what it was called. A moose game? It was a moose game with math. (laughs) And then he bought Crash Bandicoot (laughs) and then it began. And now here I am. Yep. And so what's weird about VR is AR is a lot easier because it's mobile devices and people don't care about giving their kids tablets anymore. But... (laughs) VR already has an age restriction. I mean, mm. the idea is that... So I forgot to mention, a big component is IPD, your interpupillary distance. How far your eyes are apart. Different for every human. But mm. there's a range. A normal human range. And VR, for the first, like for the longest time, you have to adjust that manually. You have to decide that yourself. Otherwise, things look right. really odd. Right. I remember and setting that yeah. when I was playing Job Simulator. And it yeah. gives you headaches if it's wrong. Oh, yeah. I, I, think we, I think we had to work on that when I wore mm-hmm. the Oculus at your place because I was like, does this, is this right? I don't know. I can't yeah. tell. Maybe that's why a lot of guys who experience headaches from watching 3D, maybe it's because it isn't adjustable. Their IPD is probably wider than the glasses. And mm-hmm. most gentlemen happen to be over 72 millimeters. I'm 60... 2.9 and so right. the, the wider difference. ones and this is a huge deal because the new headsets coming out this month or next month or so um, are locked to their ipd to a certain range that oh. you can adjust digitally which is great but mm-hmm. for those with the wider ipd they're gonna have a harder time Oof. which is kind of interesting because it cuts down that whole generation either way children um when you give them a headset our eyes adjust to something that is focused right here right in front of us about two or three inches from our eyes and we can adjust out of it all the time. You know when you hold your phone up to your face for too long and you're watching a video and then when you look away from it, you're like having to adjust? We can adjust back to it. Children have a little bit harder time. 
Right. Their brain doesn't have that practice yet at doing it. Right. So it's a slower process Mm -hmm. getting those neurons to transmit the information. Mm -hmm. It's like looking at the microphone in front of us and then kind of like trying to look across. Yeah. Or looking at your finger in front of your face and then trying to adjust behind you to to the window or to the wall. Yeah, exactly. We can do it. Children can do it. The problem is that if you lock this too long, oh, which is yeah. what VR does, it becomes troublesome. Yeah. And so people are very wary of giving it to kids under the age of 12 for extended periods of time, mm-hmm. which means you don't have that young generation that's coming up with it, but they're still asking their parents for them. So it's a really interesting dynamic right now, culturally, with where mm. VR is placed. All right. So final question. Where do you personally see all this going? The VR, the AR, the mixer, like where do you personally see or where do you want it? to go as compared to where it's going already wow um (laughs) sorry loaded question no well it's it's a big one i think where i want things to go is that everyone has the opportunity to go to vr for learning for doing for understanding like i do want it as an educational tool but it's kind of like everyone right now is fighting for our attention and you know, even your your game systems want to be your streaming sources. Your TVs want to be your streaming sources. Mm. Your phones want to do that too. Everyone's fighting for it. VR will fit probably, what I want it to do is fit into that spectrum where it can do a lot of things for us and it also doesn't have to. I want it to be a communal thing. I want it to be where if I can't be with my parents because they're in New York, I could put on a headset and sit with them while they're in their headset or headsets in New York and actually communicate with them that way. Cause to me, even though I don't have a video or my mom's phone is too old to even run a good video stream to me, I can actually still have a presence with them or watch something together that that's already happening. And I kind of want to see that expand where more people can kind of go, Oh, I want to catch this thing in VR later. Do you want to do it? That was see, a very wholesome answer that you gave. <laughs> see, for me, that is that that's the kind of stuff that kind of creeps me out. It's sure. just kind of oh, like, and I actually, unfortunately barely talk to my family i see them once or twice a year and part of the thing i really want for vr to be is that humans learn best from experience Mm -hmm. experience is a broad term but can be broken down to the fact that some people when they do math they have to write it down some Mm -hmm. people have to visualize it with blocks some people have to to do a different way and sometimes it takes years for us to understand how we best learn and do right vr can help us understand those things and by doing them understand them better and so maybe I'm just kind of locked into this weird educational stance, but storytelling is part I think of that to me. that's a great place to be no. locked yeah. into. Yeah, though. definitely. It's yeah. great. So, but that's, that's kind of where I see it is that people can use it as a resource as if it was a Wikipedia for experience. And that will take a long time to accomplish, mm-hmm. but that's where I want it to go. Where it will probably go is this entertainment tool. Mm-hmm. It will go to an entertainment tool, it'll go to a training tool, it'll be considered a tool and be very locked away. And some people will make some things that should not have been made and that will cause a lot of rifts in the next, not the kind of rift like Oculus Rift, but kind of (laughs) separations that I'm afraid of. And I can see the beginnings of now. We're getting really, really good AI characters that make you feel for them. And they're very good in VR. Mm -hmm. And the moment you break them or you do something that doesn't quite work or you take all the data from our face that we already put into Snapchat and Facebook and then bring that into the virtual realm that adjusts to us is when you start to open a pit of things that could go wrong yes all right um whew, i think that's everything so far on my plan i can't think of anything my mind is swarming you answered a lot of questions for us we had a lot of yeah. great discussion mm-hmm. about the vr ar mr landscape and where yeah. it's going but now it's time to see where it's trending oh uh, yes hashtag hunt basically 
Amy has gone through Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, or whatever she's chosen with the um, tag of the episode, which is VR. And oh, so boy. she's going to read out a couple of those. And hopefully they're not the ones that she mentioned earlier. No, um, <laughs> I have omitted all of the porn. Those ones really lend themselves to more of a visual nature. And as you said, 360 video rather than VR. Is that correct? I, yes, I did my best to try to pick and choose because I know the difference between the different types of <laughs> of XR. Yeah. Like I tried to get it more focused on VR, but no guarantees. There might be some AR in here as well. And mm-hmm. MR. Awesome. So this week on hashtag hunt, hashtag VR, cool use of virtual reality. This man was convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison as a teenager. The juvenile lifer was given an early release decades later and used VR to prepare for life outside. Hashtag VR, hashtag mixed reality. Oh, so he did VR huh. training in prison. In prison to not, prepare not him bad. for release. Not bad at I all. I think that's great. That's because actually that's, very intriguing, yes. Because one of the big problems with uh, reintegrating prisoners back into society, especially if they've been in for a really long time, is just like soldiers who've been out for a really long time, it's they can't get used to being outside of the environment that was their whole world for so long. There's a lot of social mm-hmm. work that needs to be added. Exactly. So I think that's a great use of VR. Definitely. Yeah. This is a fantastic idea. Using VR to give people with learning disabilities the opportunity to experience what it's like in a polling station, demystifying the voting process. So they were using VR in England and that people who have a learning disability got to experience what it would be like to go vote. And so we then when they went, it wasn't a mystery. They didn't have anxiety about it. They were able to handle the situation because unlike other situations, you cannot ask for assistance Mm -hmm. while you're voting. This is intriguing. Is it like all learning disabilities or did it just focus on specific common ones? It just said learning disabilities. Okay. So basically, I think it was open to anybody who wanted to try this out to prepare for going to vote for the first time. I mean, for anyone who's even socially anxious, the ability to choose your own pacing makes a huge deal. Because when you get in there and you're like, I don't know what to do and I'm in this enclosed space and I don't know what to, I I don't know how I'm supposed to fill this out. Mm -hmm. You can't go ask. Yeah. This might have been- Nobody can help you vote. Yeah. This might have been useful for me when I was younger since I have a learning disability to kind of do that. But I just now like vote by mail. Is kind of how I do it. And, and that's, it that that's way. <laughs> one way that a lot of people have learned to deal with it. I vote by mail, but that's because since I work in the film industry, mm-hmm. this is to prevent me realizing too late that I'm going to be on location during polling time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's yep. why I vote by mail. When I'm in town, I have a tendency to not mail it in, to just walk it in. Yeah, I just walk it into the town hall and I, just drop it I, off that way. My first time in California, I went and actually did it. I wanted to see what it looked like because I seek experience for no reason but that's where i'm getting yeah i get it i was anxious i had no idea what to do yeah see i worked a polling place um the year before i was eligible to you had the experience i did i did and i taught everybody else how to do it Mm -hmm. today i'm adding hashtag vr to hashtag omega not let's hope the camera movements don't make me puke because that's a developer yeah okay (laughs) all right i like the fact that they're trying and that always makes me uh intrigued yeah. And I just liked his commentary about like, let's hope the movements don't make me puke. Don't make me Because until you do it, you don't know how far off the mark you are. Mm-hmm. Scientists create speech from brain signals. 
This could be relevant to hashtag AR, hashtag VR, since headsets create a natural mechanism for brain-computer interaction. Imagine being able to send command via your thoughts. Also, can this read your thoughts while you sleep? Oh, oh boy, geez, my mind is so rambling right I now. I have worn a headset before that has done brain-computer interface in VR. Really? It, yes, uh, but all it could measure at the time was intention. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want yes or no? Very binary. Right. But it made you feel like 11 from Stranger Things when, you know, there's a robot in front of you or the person who's meaning harm and you can pick up something with your mind by just like saying, I want, you have to say want, you have to like think about want of that object and then literally throwing it at them. So mm-hmm. be telekinetic. Uh, and it worked. That was a couple of years ago. So it's, it's very possible. I am very intrigued, but also just like, I don't know what would happen if I had that power. <laughs> it takes a lot of mental capacity right now. Oh, geez. But you yeah, know, it's I've, the kind I've of thing that for that. Stephen Hawking would give him even more ability to communicate his thoughts. Yeah. But I have thought about things like that. So, wow. Breaking down classroom walls in history frog class today with hashtag VR and exploring Peterson's house in Washington, D.C. Here Ooh. were some of the students' responses to the VR. Wow, no way. I feel like I'm there. This makes it real. I can't believe how small the room was where Lincoln died. That's really cool. That's awesome. That's that's one way that I applaud with VR to kind of experience, like for people that can't go to the Anne Frank house. It's about learning how to conceptualize. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that's why it's great to see VR getting used more in the educational landscape. And if we can make it more accessible to children with the right um, tools, Mm -hmm then they can start to conceptualize things that we take for granted and that when we're trying to explain it to them, we kind of like don't understand how they don't get it mm-hmm. because we have this wealth of lifetime experience to be able to conceptualize things like size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Humans are spatial creatures. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just like they were talking about, you know, when we did hashtag zero waste and Kimmy said, you know, one person dies and it's tragic, a million people die and it's a statistic. It's because mm-hmm. we have trouble conceptualizing mm-hmm. that. And so VR can help us conceptualize. Want to know what's got me panting like a dog in the sun? Check out tonight video in the next gen of Beat Fitness Game. Oh. At mm. Power Beats VR. Yeah, Beat, Beat Saber is a workout. It's a hit training for sure. If you're at the high levels. Had to watch a movie from class I missed that I was needed for a literature exam. Thanks to my alarm not waking me up that day. So I decided, screw it. Why not watch it in hashtag VR with big screen? First time ever watching a movie in VR and it's truly something else. So big screen, are they just taking normal movies and trying to make them VR? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, ex- like kind of like a deeper 3D. No, I think it's more like people who said like, the idea of VR for those folks, which is very, very simple, is, you know, some people want bigger televisions all the time. They just want big, big televisions. I know people. But they can't like afford that. them. <laughs> so what if they paid $400 or $200 for a headset that you could sit in a theater with a screen 10 feet wide? Because the screen itself is 10 feet wide, so they just project the movie on such a large screen. No real crazy resolution updates. So a film, filmmakers like us, you know, is it is it 8K? Is it really? And no, it's not. It's just an up-res version of 1080 or four or two, maybe 4K if you're if you're good. But it's just a really large screen. Yeah. No, what people love to do, which is what the Oculus Go changed in terms of its marketing. Originally, it was supposed to be one of those cute little gamey things, but they realized in the marketing in all the responses that people would sit in their bed they'd lay down in their bed face up towards the ceiling and wear an oculus go to watch tv (laughs) on a really big screen i finally got to play 
Moss VR. I'm playing it on my HTC Vive. I wish I'd played it sooner. It's such a great platform in virtual reality. I had to force myself to stop playing. It's an amazing fairy tale VR game. It is adorable. <laughs> is it? You play as this small mouse and she is a badass. Oh. That's, that is the game. That's all I will tell you. But I, I, I own it. I do encourage anyone to come over and try it. It's very, very I, I might want. I might want to come over and yeah. play that now. That sounds adorable it's and adorable. kick-ass. <laughs> so this is something we were discussing earlier and that Cameron had also mentioned. Mm-hmm. AR startup aims for hashtag smart glasses to replace your computer. Yes, that's what it at was. Meta glasses. That's oh, what it was meta. when they tried to do the Google Glass and that didn't take off. But then mm-hmm. this is something that they're now trying. So Meta now. Glasses is now the company that's trying to make that happen. There's mm-hmm. a bunch actually. Apple is starting. I know that they have sent out bids for for the build, but Apple will be making their AR glasses coming out soon. Google has updated their Google Glass 2 for enterprise for people in business solutions, and they probably have something else in the wings. The next iteration of AR, which will be on your head, is coming out in the next few years, and the computing power for that will be partially on edge computing, which is where it's taken off-site and then streamed to the device, Mm -hmm. or it's going to be edge computing to the phone in your pocket. So the reason that the iPhones are getting so expensive but not a whole lot of changes is because a lot of that processing power is going to go up to something that's more like worn. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know what that's going to look like just yet, but we kind of have ideas. All right. So I'm going to preface this last tweet with the fact that this is very current. So this was within the last month. I don't have the date here written on here, but it is current. I covered six floors at SEG Electronics Market in Shenzhen and didn't see a single hashtag VR headset. Not a good sign. Unless there's four floors of VR headsets around the corner. Well, that's partially because a lot of the major headset manufacturers, like the major ones, aren't allowed to sell in China in a way. They just, like for the Go, for Oculus, that took a lot of extra work. So you're not going to find any of the major folks there. And the minor ones that made those kind of headsets have a lot that still need to be done. So a lot of the Chinese manufacturers, they are a little bit behind in some ways. HTC is the closest, but even then HTC, if they have nothing to show for in the last month, which I don't think they did, the Cosmos was their most recent release, um, I can see that happening. I know that VR is coming out of a slump this right. month. Right, because mm-hmm. it had been in a big slump for the last year. Yeah, we yeah. call it the trough of disillusionment when finally the big guys with the money who really don't know what they're talking about have finally left. And they moved on to blockchain. Oh, actually, blockchain's over. They moved on to AI. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. AI needs its boost. VR is going to pick up now as a consumer item, but it's going to be the nice, slow, steady growth that we anticipate. But yeah, and- I, thought, I thought that was interesting mm-hmm. because, you know, a big market like that can kind of set the pace mm-hmm. for the way business is being done. So I was like, huh, that is curious that there's not a lot of VR there. But I like that you brought up that it's because of the manufacturing rules that they've mm-hmm. got. And it's a lot harder. It's just it's just a lot harder over there to make those kind of things. So I I don't know. It's it's a weird battle. I mean, you it know is. your stuff. <laughs> we we have a lot of our products manufactured in China, but yeah. having them manufactured to be sold in China is a different requirement. And the requirements for the things being sold in China is much higher than what it is for stuff that's made in China and exported out. Mm -hmm. So like we always think like the stuff that we have made in China a lot Mm -hmm. of times is very cheap and it is. But the stuff that they're allowed to sell in China has 
higher manufacturing rules assigned to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, but but we do know that that is a market that a lot of the headset manufacturers want. China is culturally uh, the right place to be. Absolutely. Definitely. For, for VR especially, which is almost kind of sad and almost that dystopian style to me, but it is something that everyone's trying to, to snap into. Um, and we'll see it continue to grow. It'll grow in different ways. There's a lot of VR arcades over there instead, so people actually will leave their homes to go to places. Right, right. Like the old internet cafes. Yeah. It will be like that again. Well, that's it for Hashtag Ooh. Hunt. Oh boy. We do have a challenge to pay off this week. Yes, we do. Uh, so last episode, Cameron had told Amy and I to subscribe and try out a certain streaming service we had never tried before and see how it turned out. For me, he recommended Verve. And for Amy, it was a horror streaming channel yes, show. Yes, Shudder. Shudder. Okay, do you want to... How Shudder? Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> so he told us to sign up for the free trials. He didn't say you have to pay for this thing. Mm-hmm. It's a week trial. My week trial is over today. Mm-hmm. But... I have already paid for a year of Shutter. <laughs> of course. So what I focused on was because I wanted to get the most out of the platform in case I only used it for the week free trial. Because mm-hmm. a week is not a lot of time to really kind of experience something. So I focused on trying to watch content that was available only on Shutter. So mm-hmm. they had things that were listed as only on Shutter or Shutter Originals. I think it was interesting to say that the things I watched that were Shutter originals, they're not Shutter paid for original content. Mm. I can tell because of what I do. Like I watched one series that I can tell. I'm like, okay, so this was shot as a web series. All of the episodes are about 12 minutes long. And this is where it landed. And then I watched another series that had commercial break bumpers in it. I'm like, okay, so Mm. this was shot with the intention of selling it to network television, but it was purchased by Shudder. So Mm. they're buying a lot of original content, which is great. Nice. Totally support that. Eventually, maybe they will be able to actually pour money into creating their own content the same way that Amazon and Netflix and Hulu have done. But they both also started with purchasing content at the major film markets. So... I watched a few movies that were only available in Shudder, and I watched, like I mentioned, two TV shows. Everything was so good that I was like, there's no way I'm canceling this. <laughs> so I watched the one that was set up like a web series. It was called Dead Wax, and it was about a record that if you listen to it, you die. And if you only listen to a little bit of it, you go crazy. That sounds a little bit like The Ring with the TV. (laughs) Sort of, but this was way better. Oh, okay. (laughs) It made way more sense. And then the other show that I watched was Eli Roth's History of Horror. And it was so well done. And what was really interesting from watching that show was I love science fiction. And I'm always talking about how good science fiction is based in the – is always making a commentary on our current social or political climate. That is really what science fiction is supposed to be the vehicle for. And they just do it by putting us in a future reality that is based on scientific um, technology advancement. I did not realize how much is being said in the underlying messages in horror films. I like horror, but a lot of it had never occurred to me. So it was mind-boggling and made so much more sense and gave me a whole new appreciation for the genre. 
So just based on those two TV shows alone, I was like, if this is the kind of content they're buying, I'm in. (laughs) The great thing is, is they have a wide variety of content. So they had movies that they had old classic horror movies. They have like things going all the way back to the beginning of cinema available. (laughs) And then they, of course, have newer horror movies and they have a lot of independent horror movies, which I have a soft spot for. I've talked about it before. I like independent horror movies. I like seeing how effective they can be with a limited budget. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're not effective. And then the other great thing is they have foreign horror movies and TV shows. (laughs) I am now watching a show that's not And they don't just have horror. They do a lot of psychological thrillers and science fiction. I'm really enjoying it. I'm so glad that he challenged us to that Uh because I'm a penny pincher. So I would have, you know, really dragged my heels Mm -hmm. on trying out Shudder. And I'm really glad I did. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely adoring it. How was your experience on Verve? Uh, It's funny that you've you've mentioned Shudder because I just pulled it up now. Shutter is one of the channels on Verve. One oh, of the well, there great, you go. One of the great things about Verve is that it has a variety of channels that you can go for. for- so Shutter has three television channels. So mm-hmm. that's probably what you have access to. They mm-hmm. do three curated television channels that their content it is on demand on their app yeah. is playing on. So basically, if you know you want to watch horror, but you don't feel like picking out a horror movie, you can look at their three channels and see what's playing. <laughs> yeah. But the great thing about Verve is that it has a variety. It has... Uh, cartoon classics so like the Looney Tunes and Flintstones they also have anime so they have Crunchyroll I have a separate Crunchyroll subscription but they also have High Dive which is another streaming of anime and it has anime on there that's not on Crunchyroll and it's also dubbed Uh, Mm -hmm. so I was scrolling through and I found Elf Elf, what is it called Elf in Lead which is a very twisted bloody anime that I don't really recommend for the faint of heart but I really love the story. So when I saw this on there, I was like, oh my gosh. But the big thing I really dived in this week when I was watching it was Rooster Teeth. When I was wor- <laughs> yes, when I <laughs> when I was working over at the client management and production film production company, one of the uh, receptionists that I got to work with, he talked a lot about Rooster Teeth, and I was like, "What is that?" And you heard me and Cameron talking about it. Yes. When I was talking about the original Halo show. Yeah, definitely. So, but I heard it first from my receptionist partner. Uh-huh. So he recommended it to me, and I went on it, and I loved it. I mainly got into it because there was a show that they have. I don't think they do it anymore. Called Immersion, where they basically put dumb and they create real-life world scenarios based around the game to see if they can actually complete the challenge. And most of them are like Gavin and Michael who are very dumb together, but they're very lovable and they're very great. And so I loved it so much and I was like, yes, I'll have the subscription for Rooster Teeth. So I did it for a while. So, But I did the annual and it it just got way expensive. So right, I you weren't were using the content enough to justify exactly. The cost. So to justify the purchase. So like the first watching of like certain content or getting certain perks. And I mean, they also have Ruby, which is amazing, amazing show. I've only seen the first season, but it's an amazing show. But I only wasn't using it a lot, so I got to cut back. So then when I saw Rooster Teeth on Verve, I was like, okay, are they going to have a little bit? Are they going to have a lot? I'm not exactly sure. 
They have almost everything from Rooster Teeth that and I love. And how loved. about Crunchyroll? Did they have all the same stuff that you have on your Crunchyroll subscription? I believe that they do. The Rooster Teeth was the one I dived into the most because that was the one that I haven't used a lot recently the most. So are you thinking about keeping Verve and oh, maybe definitely. getting rid of your Crunchyroll subscription? Um, I, th- I have to look into Crunchyroll because I think also with Crunchyroll, it's also, it's not just the shows. There's also like Japanese movies, uh, Japanese live movies. So you have to other... compare and see what's available through Verve. Ex- exactly. But I'm definitely keeping Verve because I, it's a nice variety of everything that I want to, like if I want to do something horror, if I want to watch Gavin and Michael hurt themselves while going through all these different rooms and do things in reality instead of like in the video game or watch some anime or watch some old cartoons. I saw like Rocket Power and all that. It's like, oh my gosh, this is my childhood coming back. So it's a nice mixture of everything. So thank you, Cameron. Thank you. I love it. I am definitely going to be using it more often. Awesome. <laughs> I've already paid for the subscription and it's a monthly of like $5.99 a month. So it's not much. It yeah. Really mine was $3.99 a month since I paid for a year all at once. So yeah. for $4 a month, now I get lots and lots of horror yeah. and French horror <laughs> and Swedish horror. You, you, you love your Ford horror. I'm forward to this. You love your, I, I, I'm wondering just... if they have the White Ribbon, which is a German film it's not necessarily horror it's more like a psychological drama <laughs> I saw it in theaters and ah. it was it was one of those things that like I walked away I was like oh I didn't like that movie but I still think about it like it's dark and twisted <laughs> so this week what are we going to do for our challenge Will do you have any suggestions of what we should do challenge wise anything for relating reality? to virtual reality oh. or AR boy <laughs> I wish I knew this question ahead of time so I'd have something for you. I'm sorry. I, I, I know. Um, we like to put people on the spot. We exactly. want to see you squirm. Well, <laughs> She normally says that to me, so that's well, nice. Well, okay, okay. Here, here we go. I'm turning I, my lens. It, it's harder for people to, to, to do VR and mm-hmm. like at home, so I'm, I'm allowing you to choose. You may go to a VR arcade and spend an hour there and try anything in their library and talk about it. How did it make you feel? Was it easy to do? Was it hard to do? Or... You do an immersive theater experience. You find an immersive theater experience here in Los Angeles, and you give it a shot. You can bring your friends if you like. Can't be delusion. (laughs) There is another one that I did find on Facebook that I tried to reach out to you about. Yeah, I I don't know which one, but I it's the murder house one. Yeah, so find an immersive theater piece because a lot of our work stems from that, and it involves human actors. So it's a really fun way to kind of take in and go, what is VR trying to become? And what is something that I can learn from that? And you can talk about that experience if you decide to even do it together. And that's a really good example. Mm. I think we can do that. I think we can do that too. I mean, we can I already, make that happen. Yeah, I think even af- after our delusion experience, I've looked for a couple others because I love that experience so much, mm-hmm. even though I got very into it and probably a little bit more reactive than I should have been. <laughs> and if you can't do any immersive theater, do try out something that's the community VR thing that you can do. So The Void in Glendale or Dreamscape. Uh, as well, Dreamscape mm-hmm. Immersive. These are great little spaces where you can team up together and do something in VR, whether it's be stormtroopers in, in Star Wars or uh, archaeological explorers, whatever your choice is. But try mm-hmm. and do something together and see how that feels. Cool. Mm, that sounds very cool. Well, thank you so much, Will. It's been a pleasure to have you. What would you like to plug and where can people find you? Oh, man. I do tell people if they want to know more about me, they can go to my site, which is willcherry.io. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the Cherrygram, uh, or immersivist, which is my main handle for a lot of things. If you want to read more of my random ramblings about 
XR and whatnot. Um, I'll be coming out soon with hopefully a YouTube show. We don't know yet. <laughs> it's in the works. And then what was the name of your blog again? And where can they find that? The Immersive Design Reader. It's also on my website. It's wheelchair.io backslash IDR, Immersive Design Reader. Uh, if you follow me or anything, you will find it in there. I'm pretty vocal about it. And I have yet to finish the newest installment. So uh, mm-hmm. keep your eyes out. All right. Well, that's all for us today. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys learned a lot about VR. I know we I did. certainly did. Yeah. Geez. You can find us at Life Goals Pod on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and lifegoalspod.com. Yes. And if you ever have any suggestions or questions of what you think we should talk about, please let us know on those social media platforms. We'd love to hear your opinions and love to get more ideas for the show. Once again, I'm Chelsea Wingo. And I'm Amy Covell. And this has been Hashtag Hashtag Life Goals. Goals. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye.